0: Hello and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn over to 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. I want you to look at, at what Paul said about the natural circumstances of life and about how believers are supposed to relate to natural things and to things of this life. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 17 starts and says, but as God has distributed to each one, as the Lord has called each one, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all the churches... Was anyone called while circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Was anyone called while uncircumcised? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But keeping of the, commandment, keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Let each one remain in the same calling in which he was called. Were you called while a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use it. For he who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's freedman. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. Brethren, let each one remain with God in that state in which he was called. Now this passage seems to kind of go back and forth a little bit. Say one thing and say something else. You have to put it all together. Amen. He's saying that we ought not be concerned about the natural things of life, limitations, problems, things that are imposed upon us that are beyond our control. Amen. And it's interesting, he said, was anyone called while circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Well, that would be impossible anyway. So that's just an idea. The concept is not allowing your circumstances to dictate how you approach God. And he's saying not to be concerned about your station in life because God is greater. We've sung tonight, God is greater. The Lord is greater. He's greater, he's greater than all. Amen? And like the scripture in Romans, death, life, principalities, powers, things present and things to come, we still belong to God. And yet, at the same time, he said, "Were you called while, afraid, while a slave? Excuse me, while a, save, a slave? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can be made free, rather use that. For he is who is called in the Lord while a slave is the Lord's free man. Likewise, he who is called while free is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men." Do not put yourself under bondage. Amen. Like I said this morning, our nation was called together and God's hand was upon the founding of this nation. God's hand was upon the founding fathers of our nation. And they put together a nation and a constitution and a way of life that was based upon godly principles. And the devil doesn't like that. He's been fighting against that ever since the United States was formed. From the time we were birthed as a nation, the devil has been trying to overthrow that. And the church has not been effective in standing against that. Not like we should have been. We've not been effective as, as we should have been. Particularly in recent years. Uh, there, it's nothing new for in one sense there are some new things, but in one sense it's nothing new that people have tried to take us away from our Christian uh, moorings. Back in the in the turn of the of the twentieth century, the early nineteen uh, hundreds, uh, there was a real push towards socialism in this country. The difference between that and now. There has never been an overt uh, repudiation of the Bible until the administration of Barack Obama. When Barack Obama came into office, it was the first administration in in our nation that was overtly hostile to the Bible. Pointedly, Emphatically and undeniably, President Obama set in motion a lot of regulations in the military and other places that, that absolutely disenfranchised Christians. Kamala Harris, not so much Joe Biden, but Kamala Harris, Senator Harris, has been openly... Critical of the church, openly critical of Christianity in particular, defiant, dismissive, and even uh, uh, threatening toward the church. You look it up. She's made comments like this. We've never faced this in our government before. Like I said, we've we've faced more. Uh, uh, covert opposition, but now we're facing overt opposition to our Christian way of life, and that has to be stood up against. We cannot, as the church, sit back and let sit back and let that happen. Go with me to Second Chronicles and look at chapter twenty. Second Chronicles twenty. And I just want to read something that uh, Jehoshaphat said to Judah when their enemies came against them. Speaking of Moab and, and Ammon, Mount Seir, in verse 10 he says, And now here are the people of Ammon... Moab and Mount Seir. Now, notice whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit it. We are, that's what we're facing in America right now. Very certainly. We're facing... A mob mentality, an uh, anarchist spirit, and a a uh, in the Democrat Party it has has changed so much. If you're a Democrat, I'm not I'm not trying to argue against where your party affiliation is, but the Democratic Party has turned itself against God. Very clear, undeniably, very clearly. They oppose godliness. I saw a a congressman on TV today. He was a Democrat and a reported, you know, supposedly a moderate. And I told my wife, I said, the problem with that is he claims to be a moderate, but he fully, he full well knows what the Democratic Party stands for and it stands for the murder of unborn children the shedding of innocent blood murder of un, uh, of unborn uh, children and there's no way he doesn't know that and he has had ample opportunity to get out of the democratic party switch his affiliation and he stays in that party he is not a moderate the Democratic Party uh, has removed God from its platform. Has challenged the the, the uh, Christian foundation upon our nation, saying we don't need that. We don't need God. We don't need the Bible. And they've been openly hostile toward Christians. They're not hostile toward uh islam but they're hostile toward christians and jews and we we need to be aware of this they're trying to throw us out of our inheritance and we will not allow it because god is greater I didn't say these things to, to cast a negative tone on this, but just didn't, we need to know what we're dealing with and, and then we need to realize that God is greater. But we need to know what he's greater than. Amen. And when it comes to prayer, when, when we are praying about things, like I said this morning for ourselves that belong to us, that's our covenant, right? We have a, an absolute position of faith. When we're praying for things for our nation, our nation is, does not have, as a nation doesn't have any special promises of God from God, except in the sense that people in our nation, when it was founded, founded it upon principles of God and with faith in God, and God responds to that. He honors that. But, but it, the United States of America is not Israel. The United States of America is not God's covenant people. We are his covenant people, the church, okay? So because of that, we don't have the same place of faith that we have when we're dealing with things about our own personal lives. We, we don't, and we need to realize that. We need to understand that. And that doesn't mean that faith doesn't come in. It absolutely comes in, but it's on a different level, It comes comes under the the heading of whatsoever things you desire when you pray. Believe that you receive them. That's what it comes under. But because other people's will is concerned, other people's uh, uh, desires are concerned, uh, we have to take that into consideration. And that's why supplication and intercession is necessary. Because it gives God the the opportunity to move behind the scenes in affecting people, influencing people or removing people. These things take some time. Amen. In uh, Matthew 28, you don't have to turn there, but you're familiar with this. When Jesus, uh, right before he went back to heaven... He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he turned around and went to heaven and left us here on the earth. But before he left, he said, go therefore in my name. See, the church has been authorized to stand and speak and operate in in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the earth. We've been given that. It's an awesome responsibility. We haven't always been real good and real faithful to our responsibility. Amen. We haven't stewarded this like we should have. Uh, but we've been given authority. We've been given the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ here on this earth. And anything Christ is gonna do in this earth he 's going to do through the church now now there is a there is a, 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 a an addendum to that when it comes to the nation of Israel, even though Israel is in rejection of the Lord right now they 're in unbelief. The Bible says that he has not cast them aside. he still has a plan for Israel, and his plan for Israel is not the same as the plan. Plan for the church, What what I don't mean by that that the new birth isn't for them. It absolutely, salvation through the blood of Jesus is for everybody uh, on the planet. But as far as a people, God has a plan for the people of Israel and he is working that in the earth uh, in, in, in distinction to what he's doing in the church. And it's important for the church To recognize the sovereignty of Israel. And I don't mean just political sovereignty, I'm talking about God's sovereignty. It's important for the church to recognize that God has not cast off his people from the Old Testament. He's not cast off Israel. He has a plan for them and it's gonna come to pass. It's important that our nation, it's important, it's important for. the uh, success of our nation, that our nation stand with Israel. Because any nation that comes against Israel will come under judgment. The Democrat, again, you might think I'm partisan, but this is just facts. It's not disputable, it's facts. The Democratic Party has abandoned Israel. They will sell Israel out in a moment. The, the Republican Party isn't the church and it's not full of all saved people. I know that. I'm not stupid. But the principles that govern the core values and policies of the Republican Party are still largely grounded in Scripture. Now, I wouldn't say 100%, but they're, largely they are. And for the United States to continue to be protected and have God's blessing, we must stay aligned with Israel. And and President Donald Trump has done more in that regard than any president in modern history. Any president, all the Republicans have hemmed and hauled around about Israel and have not stood up to the to the ungodliness of this world and the political uh, uh, hostility uh, uh, from governments around this world where Israel concern is concerned. But this president has stood up to it. I don't think that was just for four years. I don't think that was just to be four years. That's just my opinion. But God works in the earth through his church. That means he works in this nation through the church. It would be the same thing if we were in another nation. He works through this nation, in this nation, through the church. Amen. Go with me over to the 33rd Psalm. I was looking at this this afternoon. The Lord brought this to my, to my mind. Now, you know, when it comes to sovereignty, there's a lot of misunderstanding about sovereignty. And I've talked about that many times, won't go into all of that. If you have a new King James, you might notice that the heading of this Psalm is the sovereignty of the Lord in creation and history. You might just say it this way, the the work of God uh, in creation and in history. So, and we're gonna read this whole, whole Psalm and we'll kind of get focused when we get down to the eighth verse. But let's start in verse one. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Now, let me say this. This Psalm has to do with the nations and it doesn't, it's not just talking about Israel. The Psalm is talking about the nations of the earth and how God deals with men everywhere. Now, just keep that in your mind. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of 10 strings. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the, for the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Notice that's the whole earth. That's not just Israel. Israel. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Jesus said, God makes the sun to rise on the just and on the unjust. He's good to the sinner and to the saint. His goodness is everywhere. Verse six, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the seas together as a heap. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Well, not all the earth fears the Lord, but they're supposed to. God raised up Israel for a testimony, to be a people in the earth, to show himself to the other nations, not to start wars. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded it and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Forever. Do you think think when our founding fathers got together that, that God wasn't leading them to do what they did? That'd be an absurd idea, wouldn't it? The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he has chosen as his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven He sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. Would that include the United States? He fashions their their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and he is our shield for our hearts shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Now, that belongs to us. That belongs to us today. Belongs to to every believer. Really, it belongs to anybody that will lay hold of it. It belongs to, to, to anyone who will believe it. He will strengthen. He will deliver. Will he deliver the ungodly? Yeah, they'll look to him. He will. Amen. So, when it comes to the things of our nation, we need to be very vigilant. Like I said, we've not been like not like we should have. But somewhat, but not like we should have. Amen. Hallelujah. Go with me to Hebrews 7. Praise the Lord. Everybody doing all right? Everybody happy? Hebrews 7. Verse number 25 says, Therefore he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through them since he always lives to make intercession for them. This shows us that Jesus is the chief intercessor. Jesus stands at the head. If it's, there's, there's not really an office of intercession. I'm just using this as, as a, as a uh, an, uh, you know, just a way of presenting it. Jesus would stand at the head of the office of intercession, All intercession that takes place in the body of Christ, uh, He stands at the head of that. He is the, the, the author of it, He is the source of it, He is the one from whom all intercession flows. And so when we talk about, like we did this morning, the prayers of supplication and intercession, remember what supplication is. Supplication is a heartfelt, earnest prayer. It's a prayer of urgency. It's a prayer that is born out of a sense of of urgent need. There's a deep desire, a deep desire that's inherent in the prayer of supplication. Supplication is not casual praying. The intercession and supplication, supplication is not. Now I lay me down to sleep. It's not. Uh, Bless this food, Lord. Supplication is is that prayer that we pray when we are gripped with a sense of need, of of the uh, immense magnitude of something. That's when supplication comes in. I talked about this morning how the difference in prayer when you pray for your children. You know, when your kids were little, you sent them off to school, you packed their lunch, you got them dressed, you know, made sure they had all their uh, homework and their books and all little ones, you know, you got them all tidy and you sent them out the door where well, you prayed for them before they went out and, and you meant it. That was serious praying, but it was, it wasn't urgent. But when that child grows up a little bit and he's now 16 or 17 years old and he's got the keys to the car, you pray a little differently particularly the first time he goes out. The first time he pulls away from the house with nobody else in the car but him or her, it's you take a breath and you say, oh Lord, that's my car. <laughs> it's my child, it's my car. I don't know which one is more urgent. <laughs> but there's a different level of, of, of urgency, a little different level of, of, of uh, uh, importance to that. And then you take it to another degree when that child is 22, 23 years old and they're in a war zone on the other side of the world. Then there's another degree of of urgency all together in your praying. Isn't that right? Well, that illustrates that there are different degrees of, of intensity in prayer. Supplication is intense praying. Intercession, like we said this morning, intercession is fundamentally a prayer to hold off judgment because people sin and they do wrong and because they do wrong, sin calls on the wrath of God. It says in the book of Genesis that that, uh, Abel's blood cried out from the ground and God heard it. The blood of the unborn cries out from the ground. God hears it. Amen. The church has been lackadaisical in dealing with this. We now have a 6 3 majority in the Supreme Court in the United States. It is altogether possible, altogether possible that Roe versus Wade could be reversed and sent back to the states where it was in the beginning. Let states and their own people and their own local uh, 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 communities decide these things. And, and God forbid, and God, God help them if they decide wrong. But the federal government has no business federalizing any so called right to abortion, it's not in the Constitution. You have people today that are, are reading all kinds of things in the, into the Constitution, primarily the left. They believe the Constitution is a living document. No, it's not. It's not a living document. It means what it said and, it's, and it says what it means. And if there's, there are no other powers inherent except the powers that are outlined in the Constitution. So people to try to find all kinds of this. It's, it's, it's hilarious in, in, in and well, more more better word be, be ridiculous, to think that the founding fathers who would have been horrified at the, at the very thought of abortion, that they intended that to be guaranteed in the, in the Constitution. That's ridiculous. God has moved in our nation in the last four years to put us in a position to do something about this. Can't give this up. Can't give up on Israel. President Trump has, has been the, the most uh, outwardly and, and outspoken defender of the church. Not that the church needs man to defend it. That's not what I'm saying. But still means something. He has been the most outspoken defender of the church and of Christianity uh, that we've had in, I, I don't even know how long. I'm not real you know, keen on history, so I'm not sure. But not, not in the 20th century, the 21st century. But nobody like him. People have given lip service. Republicans have given lip service. Republican leaders, congressmen, senators, presidents have given lip service to Christian values. When's the last time you've, you, you've seen a Republican president dare to show up at a right to life rally wouldn 't dare do it this administration comes along and things change I'm telling you it 's important and but i'm kind I know i 'm kind of drifting back and forth here on in my comments, but'm just saying them as, as they come up in my spirit uh, as the church for our nation this isn 't a business this isn 't the business of Just name it and claim it. When it comes to your health, your prosperity, you can name it and you can claim it. You can just call it done and thank God for it and your confession will win the day. Confession of faith is not gonna win the day here because what scripture is you gonna confess about the United States of America? It's not even in the Bible. (laughs) So confession is not gonna carry the day. Praise. Praise on the other hand. (laughs) The psalm we read closes with our hope is in you. It starts with praise and it ends with praise. Jehoshaphat, when he was when when Judah was facing this great army, they said, Lord, we have no strength. this, This army, this massive army has come against us, and we have no strength, but our eyes are on you. We sang that tonight. Our eyes are on you. Amen. That's where our strength comes from. Amen. Glory to God. The ungodly, you can say what you want to, but I'm not saying every Democrat, you may be a Democrat, I don't know, and I wouldn't think you're ungodly. But generally speaking, the Democratic Party is the house of the ungodly in America. Well, that got one amen. It's true. The Democratic Party is a haven for the ungodly in America. And they are rejoicing and showing their their real colors right now. I just don't believe God intends for us to be thrown out of our inheritance and for the and for the ungodly to triumph over the godly. Now don't misunderstand me. And I and I have a friend or two in in ministry who always wants to bring up this point that, you know, that the church has always survived persecution, and I came out of great persecution. I know what persecution is. You don't know what persecution is, and it's no big thing. The truth of the matter is, yes, God will keep us in everything. But at the same time, we're not to. Paul said. If you're a slave, don't worry about it. You're you're free in the Lord. He'll take care of you. On the other hand, if you have the chance and the opportunity to be free, take advantage of that. And do not become slaves of men. You're bought with a price. Do not become the slave of man. And so, yes, I'm not afraid of, uh, or no, I'm not afraid of uh, what would happen If the ungodly were in control, I wouldn't be afraid of that because my God is my keeper. But we don't have to allow that to happen either, and we shouldn't. It's not the plan of God. It's not the will of God. Well, praise God. It's the truth. So when it comes to intercession, we we talked about fervency. In uh, Romans 12, look over there real quick. Romans 12, I didn't turn on my clock when I got up here. How long I've been up here, I'll try to close this out. Verse number 11, in the midst of of several things that he uh, exhorts here, he says, we're not to be lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. We're supposed to be fervent in spirit. Supplication and intercession are fervent prayers. And we are supposed to bring fervency to our prayers. We're supposed to be fervent in spirit. We're supposed to be fervent about the things of God. Fervent about what we pray. I mean, if we don't care about what we're praying for, why should we expect God to care? We're supposed to be fervent. And when the need is, is great and the hour is dark and the consequences are, are, are dire, we need to be fervent. But like I said this morning, natural fervency will only take you so far. You have to hook up with heaven's fervency because God is fervent. God is very fervent about everything. He is serious. He is a consuming fire. He's not laxadaisical about anything. He's not slack about anything. Nothing he does or purposes or plans is done lightly. He is all powerful. So when we, when we come to the prayer of intercession, we, we have to allow his fervency to take hold with our fervency because our natural fervency is not sufficient. We take hold of his fervency or his fervency takes hold of ours, however you want to say that. And then desire. Our, our desire has to be called up and, and, and uh, swallowed up in his desire. You know, our emotions, we, 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 emotions get a, get a lot of bad uh, press. Because our emotions, people tend to let, Christians tend to let their emotions run wild and control them. But did you ever think about it? God created, all of us have emotions. Well, where'd they come from? They come from the devil? No, they came from God. God created our emotions. They're part of our soulish realm. God created them. Now, the, the reason they get us into trouble is we let our emotions uh, we let our flesh and our unrenewed mind control. Uh, 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 let let the emotions, our emotions, run over it. Our emotions are controlled and dominated by the flesh, and vice versa. It gets us into trouble. But if God created our emotions, He did it because they they're part of Him. Do you know God has emotions? God is joyful. God is pleased. God is sorrowful. God is grieved. God has emotions. And every, those emotions, none of those emotions are bad. And they're never out of order. They're never, they're never, He doesn't have a flesh. The Lord Jesus does, but his flesh has been has been glorified. The emotions of God are not dominated by anything evil. So his emotions are pure. And so when God is angry, it's, it's, it's a holy anger. When God is joyful, it's a holy joy. When God is sorrowful, it's a holy, divine sorrow. And there's nothing... Uh, there's nothing wrong or unsavory about any of those mo- They're all pure. God has desires. He longs. That's, a, that's an emotion. He longs for things. We see that in the Bible. Well, his longings are holy and they're powerful. In, in the prayers of supplication and intercession, We have to get to the place where we are, our desires, his desires swallow up our desires. And so that we begin to flow together with him in prayer and and his desires begin to operate through us in this earth. That's how he gets into the earth. That's how he gets to work in the earth is when his desires so take hold of our desires that we own them. They become part of us. We, we, We join together with him. Partnering and 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 being swallowed up in His desire and His fervency and in, in, in His plan and His purpose—that's when prayer becomes powerful. Amen. And that's what the church really has not understood, like it should. But it's changing. It's changing. Hallelujah. We start out in prayer, in our own earnest, heartfelt prayer. And as we do so, the the Holy Spirit will take hold together with us. And with his divine urgency, desire and fervency. In much the same way as he does when we start out on our own praying in other tongues and then that stronger anointing comes. That happens when the Holy Spirit begins to take hold with us. We've all experienced that same thing happens in, in uh, fervency and prayer, fervency and desire. The same thing happens. We start out with our own fervency because, the, because uh, of, the, uh, of the importance of the situation. And if we yield to him, stay with that, stay in that long enough. That's the problem with a lot of Christians. They don't want to stay there long enough. They want God to move in in a miraculous fashion in five minutes so they can get on about their business and do other things. It just doesn't work that way. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.